Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include available home equity, my interview with Stabby's Angel Hernandez on the state of loss mitigation solutions, and the seesaw that is the capital markets. Buckle up, mortgage legends. It's Ricky Bobby. Hey, mark your calendars March 18th for the third annual supercar experience in Vegas. Powered by Lender Toolkit, Regora, Lone Star, Lenders One, Truve, and Mortgage Advisor Tools. Hey, we're taking over Speed Vegas Exotics Racing, where you'll unleash your inner speed demon in supercars and network like a champ. Hey, think Ferraris, Lambos, and Connections. Forge nearly as fast as Lender Toolkit's AI-powered mortgage automation as a service platform. Woo! Yeah, you heard that right. This ain't just about racetrack adrenaline. Heck no. It's fueling your experience prep with fancy grub and more networking gold than Fort Knox. Woo. Hey, don't be a shake and bake loser. Secure your spot now by heading over to LenderToolkit.com events. Because guess what? As always, if you ain't first, you're last. Woo. Talk in the industry currently is about how unusual it is that applications and locks have suddenly shot up in the last several business days. It's nice to hear and see the hustle and perseverance from originators pay off some, though. And taking a look at the big picture, for the U.S. Census Bureau, nearly 40% of all homeowners own their homes free and clear. Put that another way, that's 33.4 million mortgage-free single-family homes and condos. And some percentage of those have credit card debt that's 25 or 30%, so a tax-deductible loan at 7% can be pretty attractive. Sure enough, refis are hitting the numbers. As reported last month, 89% of people with mortgages have an interest rate below 6%, down from a record 93% in 2022. The U.S. Census Bureau projected that the U.S. population has increased about 1.76 million, or 0.53%, from January 1st, 2023 to January 1st, 2024, and about 4.44 million, or 1.34%, from Census Day, which was April 1st, 2020. In the first month of this year, the United States was expected to experience one birth every nine seconds and one death every nine and a half seconds. Meanwhile, net international migration is expected to add one person to the U.S. population every 28 seconds or so. The combination of births, deaths, and net international migration increases the U.S. population by one person every 24 seconds. I know we're getting a little bit away from mortgage here, but the projected world population at the start of this year was 8.019 billion people, an increase of 75 million, or 0.95% from the year prior. Maybe let's get back to mortgage slightly. My friend Kristen Messerly recently put out a next-gen homebuyer survey where it was revealed that over half of Gen Z and millennials are not confident homeownership will be accessible to the next generation. 51% of them are not confident in their knowledge of home buying, and 54% do not trust lenders to help them make smart decisions about their future. So if you're a lender, you know where to put some resources. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show Stabby's Angel Hernandez to talk about the state of loss mitigation solutions. Angel joined Stabby from the Housing Policy Council, where he served as the VP of Capital Markets and focused on issues impacting mortgage securitization, capital markets, 
and the adoption of technology and innovation in housing finance. Prior to that, Onhill was the director of MBS programs at Ginny May, where he led the agency's policy development. He was responsible for implementing securitization platform updates, overseeing legislative and regulatory issues, managing stakeholder engagement strategy, and spearheading key strategic initiatives, including the agency's COVID-19 policy response, and its launch of the eNote and Collateral Digital Program. When you were a, a little kid in a classroom and the teacher said, what do people, what do, what do you want to be when you grow up? How'd you get to where you are today? My memory is not that great, but I have asked others what I would have said. Uh, I, was just my, I was raised by my grandparents. So I, uh, the one thing my grandma did tell me is that I did say that I wanted to get paid to talk to people. So I don't know that I knew the title just yet, but, but to some degree, I think I've, I've had a pretty uh, good deal of fidelity to that initial vision. Could you give us kind of a high level look at what's going on around the industry when it comes to the state of loss mitigation? Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, we are coming from a um, historical low volumes of loan delinquencies, uh, you know, and, and that's that's a pretty sharp uh, turnaround. And I, I, well, maybe not a turnaround, but I think a very sharp differentiation, perhaps from where we were just a couple of years ago, given, uh, again, the... Uh, uh, the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and the government's response to the same, uh, whether it was the financial impairment experienced by many of our homeowners or the remedies made available in the CARES Act, you know, we were in a scenario where we had historically high uh, levels of of uh, delinquencies, even though we were not treating them as delinquencies from a you know from a credit perspective. So I think you know it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of new territory, right? In that we've gone from having you know, very high rates of uh, people not up to date on their uh, mortgage payments to, you know, very low levels. Um, and look, there's probably, a, there, not, not there's probably, there is a, quite, a, quite a few reasons for that, right? There's been, uh, there's been good employment. Um, you know, many folks were able to lock in really good rates, leading to really favorable monthly payments. Uh, so again, there's a number of dynamics there, but we are coming, uh, we are coming into, you know, a period over the next few months where it's likely not going to be as optimal as it has been over the last 12 in terms of loan delinquencies. And we're beginning to see that in, in other consumer segments, right? Like, you know, credit card debt, um, you know, delinquencies are beginning to pick up in that area, similar in auto. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, folks naturally prioritize their, their mortgage payment. That is their home. That is uh, probably what where we house our families, what matters most to most of us. Uh, so, you know, it's no surprise that we haven't necessarily seen that translate into delinquencies for um, mortgage payments. But uh, again, even absent any any major uh, economic disruptors over the next 12 months, I think knowing that we've come from a historically from historically low levels of loan delinquency, we can probably expect to see an uptick. There's some chatter out there that there needs to be an industry wide initiative to address kind of these challenges and trends and adapting loss mitigation strategies to what's currently been going on. And that would require some collaboration. Why do you feel like it's the case that the industry needs to come together on this issue? And I guess ultimately, where do they need to get to together? What what solution needs to be implemented? The, the first thing, look, I, I got to see this firsthand, right? I was still a, a civil servant uh, in the midst of COVID whenever, you know, there was a joint effort by uh, the agencies and government insurance programs uh, to try to put in place, 
you know, a, a robust set of loss mitigation solutions that could be uh, useful to anyone who was facing a financial impairment, right? And and even, again, even then, even when you had that degree of uh, collaboration across programs and, uh, you know, obviously everyone incredibly motivated to ensure that we made that as easy as possible to implement. You know, the fact is that, you know, whether you're looking at, you know, VA loans, FHA loans, or agency loans, uh, you know, there's different different policy structures, different products, or, you know, uh, different guarantees and securitization vehicles that these go into, therefore different investor obligations, right? So again, even, even, uh, even when we have, uh, you know, all of us at the table trying to figure out how it is that we standardize and streamline and make things as easy as possible. There are some architectural infrastructural differences in our uh in the way our you know policy structure is set up that inevitably does lead to some variation in the in terms of what type of assistance, what programs are available to a given borrower, right? To a given homeowner. Um, so so I think when we step when we when we peel back and sort of look at that. Uh, we got to think about like the, you know, does it make sense that you know neighbor A and neighbor B uh, could have access to completely different loss mitigation options, mainly because, <laughs> merely because at some point in the past when they first, you know, obtained their loan, one qualified for a, an FHA loan versus other one qualified for a VA loan versus an agency loan, right? So I think. And again, just from a first principles perspective, uh, we recognize the need to to have some some level of consistency, but also knowing now that it's not you know that it's not quite feasible. So I think my first comment would be aimed at that at large like policy framework, right? Like we we have had the opportunity to some extent to to use you know the number of waterfall edits. Uh, that were implemented the last, you know, 24 to 36 months as a bit of a lab to be able to see what really works, you know, what can be optimized. So I think there's one level of work, again, that is at that high uh, sort of, you know, policy level, program level, where we can begin to say, how can how, how can we optimize uh, the waterfalls across each of the programs, A, to create some consistency, and B, also to, to optimize for results, right? To optimize uh, for ensuring that we deliver the, best fitting alternative based on the circumstances that fit each individual homeowner, right? Whether it's a, you know, a permanent uh, impairment to income, a temporary one, right? So, so again, much, much to think about uh, for, from that perspective. The, the second, um, I think it's a derivative of that. And it really is about the, how it is that we are operationalized, right? You, you know, assuming that we could get to that, 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 that policy framework or, or even in the absence of that, right? Um, a homeowner's experience is ultimately going to be driven by, uh, you know, the operational apparatus of the servicer that is in charge of their loan, right? So how do we begin to think about optimizing that that experience at a time that is, again, probably a high-stress scenario for most homeowners? Um, so beginning to think about what role technology can play, not to uh, displace, but really to accentuate, right, the, the human touch uh, that I think uh, really becomes essential and necessary when dealing with a homeowner under financial distress. Uh, you know, it, it's an area that personally I think I've been very focused on. Uh, you know, last twenty four months, and it's one that I really care about. Yeah, let's talk technology here for a second. What currently exists in in terms of tech solutions for homeowners to navigate the loss mitigation process, and where do you hope it can evolve? technologically from here? Where where should technology be to help these homeowners? 
Yeah, so let me let me take that maybe a, 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 a level higher first. When we think about what should technology be able to do, uh, look, I think we are all incredibly unique as individuals and how what best fits me in, in a scenario where I am facing, again, uh, financial hardship may be, may be different than, than your own response. But there are a, a couple of things that that we do know, right? We do know that financial stress, for example, can create, uh, you know, call it this, you know, psychological negative feedback loop, right? Where, uh, you know, the very fact that you're experiencing hardship perhaps leads some to a degree of debt avoidance, right? And we've seen that over time, right? Difficulty in reaching homeowners under distress, um, you know, as to there's going to be a segment of the population that, you know, is probably very comfortable, you know, facing that head on. So when I think about, you know, technology, I always think about, you know, te- technology accentuating the, the human experience, again, not, not replacing the human experience. So it has to be, uh, it, it has to be, first of all, I think, flexible enough to standardize how we approach uh, curing or helping a homeowner uh, along the cure path for a delinquency while remaining you know, sufficiently granular and flexible to accommodate for those various ways that homeowners want to want to be reached. Um, so, uh, you know, a big trend kind of maybe to get to the second part of the question, like what, what's out there today, I think a, a huge trend really uh, revolves around self-service models, you know, and here at Stabby, it's, it's one of the places where we focus in, right? Enable Enabling servicers to, uh, to have a self-service option available for homeowners. Um, again, go, going back to my first point, uh, I think there's a segment of of, of, of homeowners that, that can really benefit from that. You know, think about folks that who perhaps, uh, you know, don't have 10, 15 minutes to to uh, to make a phone call into a call center in the workday. But, you know, they could, you know, log on on their mobile phone and begin a request for assistance, you know, late at night or perhaps, uh, you know, in their break time. So I think cell service models is really one um, one of the trends that that we've seen. Uh, you know, Freddie Mac has spoken quite a bit about this being one of the key components of how we can reimagine servicing, right? Really empowering the homeowner to begin that uh, the journey for requesting assistance at the time, place, and manner that is most convenient for them. Um, a a second trend, uh, it probably is really dealing with the not necessarily introduction, but because, uh, you know, it's been used, but uh, re- uh, increased reliance on communication technology, right? Um, and I, I mean that in the broadest sense, right? So the days where the only way to to reach a homeowner was by mail or on the phone, I think are are quite a bit behind us, right? M- most folks check their mobile phone, check their social media accounts, uh, check their email far more often that, than uh, than they do. And, and, and there's a reason for that, right? You, that That's a device that you have with you always. So there's this nice convergence of, you know, communication technology and, and the presence of of mobile devices in, in in all of our pockets at every moment of the day that I think really opens up some opportunities for how we how we do outreach. And, and it's not just at the point in time when someone is already facing uh, again a financial difficulty, but it's something that can it's a it's a it's a medium that can be used proactively. Uh, to reach more. So again, we, we're seeing the introduction of communication technology, uh, Zoom video. Uh, I mean, not, not Zoom video. Let me let me take that back. But just you know, um, video, simultaneous video and audio comms. Um, the use reliance on mobile devices to again uh, send messages, send links, uh, begin begin engaging 
uh, with homeowners. Um, we look, and and it's not just the the commercial experience, right? Just this last year, you know, FHA also put out a, a proposed uh, revision to how we do in person communications with borrowers and homeowners in financial distress to explicitly recognize that communication technology can be used in some cases in, in lieu of a face to face. Uh, or in-person uh, engagement. And, and and it makes sense, right? I mean, most of us, I think, uh, regardless of generation, are beginning to live more and more uh, on a digitized forum. And, and finally, Angel, before I let you go, Stavi is kind of a leader in this space. What's Stavi been working on to remove some of these inefficiencies from the mortgage life cycle? Or I guess one step further, how can companies better help borrowers and homeowners? Uh, now that that's that's a great uh, question. Look, it, it is it is at the heart of everything we do. Um, when we look at um, what digital transformation has meant for our industry, um, you know, without being critical, I think it's simply recognition that what we have largely done uh, is replace what used to be a manual. Uh, paper-based analog process with a digital twin, right? So you can think of everything from replacing mail outs with emails or, you know, paper documents with PDFs. Um, and look, that 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 serves well. That's that's helped us uh, move forward in the uh, you know towards added automation, towards you know cost reductions. Uh, but we we do feel again as an ethos that uh, that that approach doesn't do anything to truly address uh, what we see is probably the, the, the main issue, which is just the fragmentation that exists throughout, right? Because even with digital transformation efforts that often requires, look, uh, a service rate lender to deal with multiple providers, all to be able to achieve the same task or work process or workflow that used to be done manually. And that itself, right, carries within a certain risks and difficulties, challenges and costs. So, you know, when, when we think about helping our, our clients, helping the industry move forward, uh, you know, there's a couple of tenants that, you know, that that are pretty uh, baked in uh, to our tools and to our technology and our approach. And that is uh, taking a, a life cycle view uh, for an enterprise solution, right? Meaning the tools that we d- deploy uh, should be able to be leveraged for a number of use cases, both origination, servicing, capital markets functions, right? Uh, why? To, to minimize the need for our clients to have multiple uh, you know, have to manage multiple contracts, multiple vendors uh, to be able to, in essence, complete what is a, a single use case or or a single business process. So, so first is is that right? Taking a lifecycle approach and doing as much as we can uh, to house all together uh, a uh, an end to end solution. So, as, as particular for our discussion today, uh, in the loss mitigation space, right? We we have a um, you know, process is probably one of the, if not the only solution out there that can truly uh, digitize the homeowner's journey from initial uh, application for assistance uh, all the way to execution, right? Where we could, you know, it truly been enable a full self-service approach, uh, right? A, a homeowner can begin the uh, journey on their mobile device, submit an application for loss, mitiga- for loss mitigation or again, uh, uh, mortgage assistance. Uh, enable the automation of um, how that information is collected, how supporting documentation is uploaded, right? You know, automatically connecting directly to source data, whether that's income assets, uh, to eliminate the hassle of having to search for documents or download PDFs or scan anything up into a system again. So it it truly lights out uh, application process, followed by um, you know, the parallel structure on, on the servicer side, right, where we can uh, automate how that application is uh, is processed, underwritten, 
um, you know, a fully compliant uh, rules engine that is going to look at, at, at the product that alone corresponds to uh, be able to decision or help the service decision for the right and most optimal solution that is, again, compliant based on, based on investor requirements or program features um, to enabling the homeowner, you know, to accept that, uh, that result uh, all through an online dashboard that, again, is accessible from anywhere, anytime, and even scheduled for the actual execution and authorization uh, of, of those documents when needed, right? So, again, uh, we, we, we see this as, you know, critical being able to provide all of the components so that the homeowner experience is consistent uh, and will, at the same time, enabling the servicer to, uh, to have additional control of the process and, and be able to mimic uh, or enhance their existing operational model without them having to change what they do or what they're good at for the sake of being able to deploy a new tool. Certainly a lot that we covered there. I can The, the passion that you have for your role is evident in your voice. Angel, I re really appreciate you making the time for me today. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, bro. Investors hoping for early and aggressive Fed rate cuts in 2024 sit disappointed with the hotter-than-expected reading for both the headline and core inflation numbers, forcing those investors to once again reconcile with a higher-for-longer interest rate environment. Mortgage rates are on the rise and now sit at a two-month high after a CPI-inspired sell-off for risk assets earlier this week. Blame investor over-optimism, or blame the Fed, but the true blame lies with sticky inflation. The core inflation rate has been steadily rising on a month-over-month -month basis since the summer. Pricing in Fed funds futures now implies between 3 and 4.25 basis point cuts for the year beginning in June, a significant departure from the seven rate cuts that were priced in just a month ago. The risk now is that inflation continues to accelerate, sending bond prices lower. Bonds rebounded somewhat yesterday from the sell-off triggered by Tuesday's inflation data and reset in Fed rate cut expectations. It's much needed after U.S. mortgage rates rose last week to a two-month high. You may be asking yourself what is giving the Fed pause before it is willing to cut rates. There are a few key points of uncertainty for policymakers. A hot economy, geopolitical risk, and financial decisions. Fed Governor Barr said yesterday that the Fed needs to see more data indicating inflation is approaching 2% before it begins easing, supporting Fed Chair Powell's cautious approach. Chicago Fed President Goolsby said a few months of slightly higher prices would still be consistent with a path back to target. There was some assistance in bond pricing yesterday, after the Bureau of Labor Statistics downward revision to December PPI to negative 0.2% from negative 0.1%. Today's economic calendar is jam-packed with data, including some of the first-tier variety. It is already underway with retail sales for January, which came in down 0.8%, worse than expected and down 0.6%, excluding auto. Sales were expected to slip 0.1% month over month versus being up 0.6% previously in December. We've also received Empire Manufacturing for February to down 2.2%, Philadelphia Fed Manufacturing for February up 5.2%, higher than expected, and weekly jobless claims in at 212,000, down from 220,000. Later today brings industrial production and capacity utilization for January, December business inventories, the NHB housing market index for February, various treasury auctions headlined by 20-year bonds, 30-year tips, and reopened two-year FRNs, and Freddie Mac's latest primary mortgage market survey. 
Two Fed speakers are scheduled, Governor Waller and Atlanta President Bostick. We begin the day with agency MBS prices, better by about an eighth, and the 10-year yielding 4.21 after closing yesterday at 4.27%. The two years at 4.53%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. I tried donating blood on Monday, but never again. There are way too many questions. Whose blood is that? Where did you get it? Why is it in a bucket? (laughs) Thanks again to Lender Toolkit and its AI-powered, AI underwriter, and Prism borrower income automation tools. By providing lightning-fast underwriting decisions, your market reputation with borrowers and realtors will soar, which means more repeat and referral business. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.